need a bigger boat. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Life, uh, finds a way. Welcome back to Spielberg Chronologically. This is the podcast where for the next few weeks, we're going to go through every single one of Steven Spielberg's movies in chronological order. My name is Jeff. With me is my co-host, Eric. Hey, how's it going, Jeff? It's going well, man. I woke up in the morning. What else do you want? Got yourself a gun? Why do I need a gun? Sopranos. Woke up this morning, got myself a gun. No, so is not it going to be bad guy. if I've never watched <laughs> The Sopranos? No, it's just not. No, not for. It's a, it, it, well, I'll just gonna we're just gonna slide right past it. Like, great, excellent. Okay, so this week we watched uh, a movie I've been dreading: Ready Player One from 2018, pre-pandemic. Seems like forever ago. Um, starring Ty Sheridan, Olivia Cook, Ben Mendelsohn, uh, Lena Waithe. T.J. Miller, Simon Pegg, and of course the returning Mark Rylance. Yeah, man, quite quite the cast on this, and it's funny because it's like some of the a lot of the people in this movie I recognized, but I couldn't quite place them. Right, like Olivia Cook, like I'm like, oh, I know her. I, oh, I do. I really know her. And uh, Bates Motel, the TV series, that's where I know her from. Okay, where I was introduced to her. Yeah, I know her from uh, the new season of uh, Game of Thrones, among other things. Like she's in a lot of stuff. But yeah. it's, it's funny because until I looked it up, and even then I was looking at it, and I was like, was she in Game of Thrones? Who was she? And she's like one of the primary people in Game of Thrones. Like she's such an asshole in that show. And yeah, uh, yeah so th- that was fun. And um, H, what was the name of the woman who plays H? Uh, Lena Waithe. Yeah, she's on, uh, she's on Master of None. And I, I looked her up too because I, I recognized her and then I knew it was from Master of None. Uh, but man, she's like a like a big time producer like she produces lots of films and tv shows like really hardcore successful like i had no yeah. idea this person like had this amazing career um i just knew her from this one show and uh yeah uh some of the other folks too in the movie ty sheridan, ty sheridan is mud i knew him shitty from cyclops he's shitty cyclops that's exactly right yeah 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 and those uh those newer X-Men movies, which increase in shittiness as they go after Days of Future But always past. have, like, one little bright spot, right? Like, just one little thing, like, oh, this could have been good. Like, Quicksilver. Uh, Psylocke. I thought, like, Psylocke for a moment. I'm like, oh, they could. Oh, she's dead. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Anyway, we're not talking about that movie uh, maybe at some point. But uh, I saw this in theaters. Um the weekend it came out because I've read the book twice at the time. I think I've read it three times now um, and am and was a fan of the source material. So I had to go check it out and I sat in the theater. And as soon as you find out the first uh, challenge is a race with cars, I was like, shit. Uh, okay okay <laughs> i just was like crap it just like damn it so i'm guessing that you saw this in the theater and then never saw it again until this, this no viewing. i watched it again you did watch it again. it was on it was on like some free streaming thing and i was like 
I the last two times going, I've tried to be like, all right, you know what? Let me take the book, put it to the side, right? Yes. Let me watch this as a blank canvas, as someone who doesn't know the source material. I, it's hard to separate that. I still didn't like it, but anyway, what about you? Yeah, so I also had read the book um, one time, two times before seeing this film. Also really enjoyed the book. It's funny because that book, like, there's been some backlash, you know? Like, it was originally like, oh, this is a great book and we all love this book and everybody needs to read this book. And then it's kind of turned into like, ah, the writing of this book is kind of shitty and it's just a list of references. And, you know, like the the zeitgeist on the book has got, it's kind of like turned. But I still really enjoy the book. Um, I, I I agree that it has turned, but I think a lot of it might be the sequel or like there's people, there are people who read it. Like I have friends who read it and didn't enjoy it. Fair enough. That's fine. Yeah. But- I still think the original book is really good. I think the characters are good. I think the world is developed and interesting. And the, yes, it's filled with references, but it, I felt like the story was good enough to pull me through. And the references were like a nice little bonus. The thing about that book is that it's propulsive. Like it is one of those things where like you get into it and it's just a page turner, man. You are just glued to that damn thing until you get to the end of it. You know, like it is really, really, it just moves from one thing into the next. It is a tremendously fun read. Yes. Agreed. It's a blast. And and the sequel sucks, but, Yeah, the the sequel is a bum out. You know, it has a few moments, but it's a bum out. Enough that I hardly even remember it six months after reading it, right? Um, Yeah. But, uh, so, uh, yeah, I also enjoyed the book. I went into this. I did not have uh, as unfavorable an experience as you did. I think on my first time watching this, it's about what I said about when, when I saw Jurassic World. Like, okay, that was like a movie, right? And yeah. Uh, much like my Jurassic World experience for the podcast, when I watched it uh, yesterday or day before yesterday, can't remember when, I, I got into it, man. Like, I I was into it. I really enjoyed it this time um, on all sorts of levels. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I just, I went with it. I kind of like, I, yeah. did, I did what what you talked about and set the book to the side and I just went with it. Um, and and I, I really had a good time. Like I, I I I'm definitely on the positive side on this movie. And That's I was good. never I was never on the negative side, you know, like I, I was like, okay, you know. But now I'm like, I really like this. Like I'm gonna watch it again. Like I'm gonna yeah. watch it with my kids, you know. Like I, it's fun. I think here on my third viewing it's actually the worst I've felt about the film. Wow. Like I, wow. I really didn't like it in the theaters. I watched it the second time, I'm like Okay, maybe it's not that bad, and maybe if you come in from the outside, this time I'm like, damn, oh, this could. And I think for me, the big thing is uh, the lost promise that Ready Player Wood could have been. And I won't say if it was in the hands of a better director, because there aren't many better. But if there was in the hands of someone who cared and understood the source material more, or it has a track record of doing this, so for me... If I'm making this film and I'm hiring a director, I want Edgar Wright to do this. And I want it to look and feel like uh, uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world to kind of have that fun element to it. I I just I feel like he kind of maybe goes too serious in parts. 
And because at the end of the day, this is a movie about kids playing a video game. It kind of gets cringy for me uh, in several points. Uh, like when they, they get to meet everybody right in the real world, which in the book is kind of like a big deal when he meets H when Parzival, our main character meets H for the first time. It's a big deal. Yeah. And, and this, it is like, Hey, it's me H. Oh, and then they move on. And in the book, you know, because H portrays herself as a male in the Oasis. And then when they meet, she's not a white male, but a black woman who's a lesbian and just kind of takes, sets Parzival back a second. And then he's like, well, it doesn't actually matter. And, it's just this great sort of like the first time you meet someone on the internet. Like if you ever uh, have done that, you know, like actually taking time to go and meet someone you've met on the internet. And I really appreciated that. And then like his whole crush on Artemis and that working out was all there. I forgot where I was going with this, but I just really felt like that element was kind of not as strong as it could have been. So you had you had issues with the relationship between the characters. I had that, and then a lot of the dialogue is balls salad. Um, there is uh, the one line for me where I want to choke myself. Is it a fanboy knows a hater? Because that was terrible. <laughs> what? Uh, oh, when he's talking to Sorrento? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, um, but thank you for pointing more out, is when they meet show, and he's like, yes, I'm 13, and he goes, no. You're the most badass 13-year-old in the world or some shit like that. So stupid. <laughs> like, I just, And really, in the book, Sho, who I believe is called Shoto in the book, is actually dead at this point. So he's just here to be a kid, I guess. I don't know. I thought, then, Dido, I thought Dido died. I, I don't know. I don't remember. It's been no, a long time. So Dido's character dies in the final battle. Okay. I, I could maybe I'm mixing it up, but, but I think Daito's he doesn't die for real. His character dies. But that's the other thing. So at the final sequence, we're jumping right to the end here. Daito, they're in this big battle. Daito's there meditating for like 30 minutes while everyone is shooting and fighting. And then finally he wakes up and he's calls upon his droid, his mech from Mobile Suit Gundam. And he goes down and he gets destroyed anyway from Mechagodzilla and has no effect on the battle. He loses right away. Why? <laughs> Just like so stupid. <laughs> I like so the Some, things sometimes I, things just don't go the way you plan. That's yeah, you know like, when the movie sets it up like you're gonna see some shit. Daito's gonna open up a can of whoop ass here and then he just loses. Um the thing I do so let's talk about the references, right? Because that's a big part of the book. It's the thing everybody says about the book. And so one of the things is when the book was made, the I believe the, even the writer said, I, I wrote this knowing that it couldn't be adapted because of all the IP that's in it. And you can do things in book form that you can't do in film. And yet they still kind of found a way through, which is something that's WB uh, Warner Brothers has done several times now with like Lego Batman and um, Space Jam, where they bring in all this IP from their back catalog and kind of cram it into things. This was the first one. And I wonder if like this caused them to think about that. I don't know. But uh, 
I think they did a pretty good job of getting enough referencing to not feel like they were shoehorned into what they could and could not add. Yes, absolutely. Like, and I know it must have taken a tremendous amount of work. And it's like, let's not even put it in the same sentence with that goddamn Space Jam, the newer Space Jam. Because, like... like The that, newer Space Jam is one of the worst films ever made. It, it is just horrifying, right? Like, and And it's like a bunch of people in shitty costumes that look like they were made in somebody's garage dressed oh, yeah, up that, as various WB characters I gotta, and I only WB enjoy characters. The the Pennywise just oh, the shitty Halloween it's costume just so Pennywise. Shitty. Like it is so, so shitty. And and like this definitely like treats the characters better. They, there's definitely mm-hmm. a wider variety. There's characters from all over, you know, like there's the video and some game of them are here and, and gone in a blip. Yeah, right? yeah, it's like, exactly. Hello Kitty. I saw Hello Kitty in there. Like there's all sorts of like tons and tons of stuff like hiding in there. And Overwatch like and, you know, that, Halo yeah. and, you know, all sorts of cool video game references. Lots of cool movie references, not just from the 80s, although it primarily is focused, you know, right. on the 80s. And so many of them are just in the background to make the world alive, right? Yes. There's the moment where Freddy Krueger gets killed. He's barely, it's like, oh, Freddy, oh, he's dead. Like, it's just that kind of fast. Yeah, yeah. Battletoads, like, it, it's endless. Oh, yeah. It's endless yeah. how many, like, cool and obscure references there are. Like, even uh, the Bigfoot truck that uh that age drives like i loved that 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 was there and i don't remember if it was in the book or not but uh you know like just this instant moment of recognizable and like oh i haven't thought about that shit for years you know like years since i thought of that thing um the uh the mad ball that he throws into uh one of them throws a mad ball and you might not even remember these because you were just like I don't a, know real, a, a real little kid it's a little face thing that explodes in the final battle um oh okay because i had seen those i that looked familiar but yeah. i couldn't really place it in it was, my mind it was a toy fad in the 80s for like a month right it was, yeah. <laughs> it was like, like i think i even had one yeah um so yeah i i really i really thought they did an extraordinary job just kind of building all of that out and i can see why some people would think that it was overload and that it was just kind of trite and tiring or whatever you know just you know but i don't feel like this movie is a game of oh look oh look oh look member berries right like the did you see the south park member berries episode or i don't know (laughs) like people eat these berries and they're like member member you remember this remember that uh i I didn't feel like this was that you know i thought that it was a little more thoughtful and well done you know like like online communities like this exist right now and people people do create avatars of the weirdest shit you know like you go into vr chat and you're in there talking to woody woodpecker you know like it's just weird shit that people go for and uh so i thought i thought that all of that was really really cool i like the chest burster coming out of goro Uh, that's something you never thought you'd see in film right and we got that right (laughs) Right. uh i did appreciate that because there are two franchises i'm a fan of and it was just like in a brief moment and they don't dwell on it which i think helps right none of the references get dwelled on too heavily other than a couple um so i'll talk about my favorite part of the movie and it's one that is from the book but they choose a different film probably for rights reasons in the book the second challenge is they have to reenact uh 
kind of word for word from memory the film War Games. And and in this movie, they go into a movie and the goal is different, but they do The Shining and the sequence in The Shining is my favorite part of the movie. Um, I'm not even a Shining fan, but I really just appreciated them walking through that world, uh, you know, experiencing those things. No one person not knowing the film and not knowing don't mess with that elevator, run away from the twin girls like I liked all of that. You know, H goes into the bathroom where the dead woman comes out of the bathtub and, you know, that happens and it's fun. I like that. Yeah, I can't I can't tell you how loudly I howled in the theater when I didn't know that was coming. And they like go into the Overlook Hotel and spend so much time in there. Like the moment I realized what was happening, I was just like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" Like I was, I was so into that. And and it's probably one of the bigger things that sold me on the movie the first time I saw it. Like everything yeah. about it is perfect. The film grain changes. I don't know if you were watching it on a monitor where you could tell, but like the grain of the film goes from like digital glossiness to like 1970s grain. Like Good. it is amazing. And uh, like everything, the carpet, you see the tricycle in the background, you got the twin girls, the whole scene in, in room two, three, seven. And you know, like there's a lot of material to cover in the shining. And of course this is like a, it's like a 10 minute sequence. It's like a 10 minute sequence. Yeah. And it's like an interpretation of the shining, you know, obviously they didn't get Jack Nicholson's rights, you know, likeness rights. So they He's kind of in. shrouded in shadow when you do get to see him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so when somebody's wielding the ax, it's the, the lady from room two, three, seven or whatever. Yeah. It totally works. Like it's absolutely fine. Um, and I, I just loved it. I just absolutely loved it. I thought it was fantastic. And then it goes into the segment where the ghosts are like dancing, which they're like, this isn't in The Shining. And no, it's not. It's not in The Shining. Yeah. But it's kind of reminiscent of uh, the Haunted Mansion at Disney yep. World, which is also amazing. It's my favorite thing at Disney World. Every time I go to Disney World or Disneyland, I make a point of going in there. You and, have and to. Check, yeah, because yeah, it's so cool. Like. And it was done in what, like 1958? And it's still like, oh my God, how did they do this? You know, like I, I remember seeing that for the, the first time in real life. And so seeing that kind of represented in the movie in, in a referential sort of way, uh, it was fantastic. Like I just, I think that sequence is amazeballs. Like amazing, yeah. amazing. Um, so yes, I'm with you. Probably my favorite part of the movie as well. Now. How did you feel about Mark Rylance in this film? I love Mark Rylance in this film. I okay. love him. And I know, like, you have beef. <laughs> I know you have beef. And so I'm watching it this time, like, thinking the entire time, like, why is Jeff hating this character? Like, what? what? Hi. If you're watching this, I'm dead. Jabba, jabba, jabba. Oh, I think I that's... wish. I wish we could go back. Just go back as fast as possible. <laughs> That's why. I was I just he's that tone in every scene and it's just feel like I'm watching him read his lines and I did not like it. I know I know introverted tech guys that are like that though, you That's know. That's probably <laughs> true, right? And like, I I'm just saying. 
I, I I read the variety uh, the review in Variety this morning, and it described his performance as uh, spooked angel. And I was like, oh, that's just about perfect because he is spooked. He's like afraid of everything. Like he can't yeah. he can't relate to people. He can't you know like the whole point of the movie is that his biggest regret was that he wasn't able to connect with other people and he severed the connections that he did have in order to live in this weird fantasy world. Right. Like, and, and, and this is something that he's not entirely proud of or happy about. Right. Um, and so I, I think in that way, kind of just portraying him and like, he, he's almost like cringing away from the other characters when he talks to him, not literally, but you can see it, in the performance right yeah. like it's an effort for him to like even talk or make words you know and he's bewildered by the world around him and, and the way people interact and so on i i loved it i, I thought it was great like i just Fair really enough. really i can't it. argue with that because he is awkward and just i just felt like when i saw the trailers even i'm like oh just it pained me to watch and I, Perhaps I didn't understand the performance. I mean, but. think of like these big tech guys. Like, think of Zuckerberg, right? Like, right. That dude's a weird robot, right? Like he's, he's, he's a strange <laughs> yeah. data android person, and like some of these guys that are like the really big tech guys, they're just like on another level. Like they're just on a plane of their own, you know. And and yeah, I, on a on a microcosm. Like I've worked with guys like this too, you know. Like I. I yeah, I've worked with people who are very withdrawn to the point where it's like painful for them to like talk to other people, you know. And uh, yeah, I I I, well, I like the performance. I, I will pull a Rufio and concede. <laughs> You've turned me around on it. Very nice, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> play the Rufio there, card. There are other good things. This movie, it, by no means, is just a full shit show from start to finish. It is not 1941. There are other good things. I love Ben Mendelsohn in this movie. He is a great villain. I think he he has that corporate ruthlessness down. He just kind of is a jerk at all times. I really liked him in this movie. Like, outside of when he starts killing people, I understand this character, right? Like, I understand this guy's motivation. So he's like the second second place person and the idiot that runs the first place company left this wide open for anybody to come in and solve this riddle and just take his shit right like and so yeah of course this guy is gonna obsess on oh my god i can have the number one and the number two i will be unstoppable and just live on a mountain of money and you know frosting yeah like of course he's gonna like throw every resource he has at getting this done you know um so like the character motivation there is very clear he's also a person who does not enjoy the oasis and it's fun watching him like have to engage with it and not like it you know, yeah, <laughs> like the scene, like he comes off so false in that scene where he's got the guy like he's talking to uh, Parzival and he's got the guy in his ear, like giving him yeah. the references. Like, I just want to throw on Duran Duran and play Robotron. And it's, yeah. like, it's the most like unbelievable false thing, you know, on the face of the earth, uh, because this guy just clearly just hates it all. Like he just hates it. And so that is very 
fun as well. It's just it's a fun performance, you know. Yeah, and then I, despite being canceled, uh, we'll not get into the human, but I did like I Rock, uh, played by T J Miller, who has been canceled, but uh, has he? He's, I don't know. I Kinda. like his sort of. My only regret is that after he died, they didn't cut to him in the real world being some four hundred pound fat guy. You know, because he's this character who's played so many hours and he's, you know, got all of this stuff. He is the, the, the whaler of the Oasis. He spent all this money and he's got all these things. And I just wanted to, to cut back to him being a low life. Yeah. <laughs> I I uh, I'm not terribly familiar with what happened with him, and like I know he's like, sexual. Did, he got me too. Did he? And, and bomb threats. He did weird shit. I think the guy's just kind of has some mental issues as well. But I will say I did enjoy him in this. I also enjoy him in Big Hero Six. I enjoy him in Cloverfield. Like <laughs> Deadpool. Yeah, he's a fun screen presence. So um, and and not being terribly familiar, you know, to get. That is what it is. But in this movie, I thought he was a hoot. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then finally, Simon Pegg, who's barely in the film. Uh, you don't necessarily realize it's him uh, as the curator, uh, but they do show him early in the film as Ogden Morrow. And then again at the end in some kind of now I watch this on a little computer monitor and I could still tell how bad the makeup was. Did did it jump out to you, his old man makeup? No. No, I thought he looked okay. Um, but I wasn't necessarily paying too much attention to it either. Uh, it's not like some of the other films where the old person makeup has really jumped out, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so no, like I, th- I thought he generally looked okay. And I'm always just happy to see Simon Pegg show up and shit. And so, oh, me too. He's he's close, not quite, but he's close to that Jack Black level for me, where I'm like, woohoo, yay! Yeah, he's definitely um, in like the beloved column, yeah, right? Sure. <laughs> like when he shows up, I'm like, woohoo, yay! So, uh, Olivia Cook. Now, okay, another moment in the trailer because I'll tell you, I went into the theater already knowing there were red flags for me as a fan of the book. And there's a scene in the trailer where they show Olivia Cook talking to Wade, who is Parzival, and saying, welcome to the resistance, Wade. And I was like, fuck, like, there is no resistance in the book. What is this? You know, and well, there's she no definitely... real resistance in the movie either. Like, it's there's all... like three, four people. Yeah. Welcome to the resistance. <laughs> it's like that dude with tattoos on his on his face and her and a couple people kind of shuffling around in the background. Like, there's no real resistance portrayed yeah. in this movie it's it's just lip service you know like you're supposed to assume that yeah the 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 resistance is is whack like it is definitely weak sauce and that whole segment that takes place there which is clearly just there so they can meet in real life earlier in the story um it it doesn't work very well particularly when ioi pops in and she shoves him in the hatch and says i'm going to slow them down and then does nothing but stand there and get arrested like <laughs> like they're they're yeah that's not great and the resistance is nonsense so yes i'm with you on yeah that. um i think she's fine in the film nothing to write home about but nothing to complain about either yeah um, I, I think as as Artie, like when she's she's definitely much more lively when they're in the in the thing you know like she kind of yeah, comes... imagine they did like full mocap with these and so that's them performing yeah their I would think so. characters yeah 
So I think she's definitely more like just energetic and sprightly, you know, while they're while they're in the thing. Um, I also think that she has that important moment where he decides that he's in love with her and she's like, whoa, dude, whoa, like you don't know me. You don't know who I am. You don't know what I look like. She's the smart one, right? She's the smart Cause he, one because he's an idiot. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. That's the other thing. And he's an idiot in the book. I can't even blame the movie. That scene is like right out of the book. <laughs> like, you idiot. Like, you don't know me. I'm falling for you. No, you're 16 and you just are feeling all these emotions stop it (laughs) like stop it yeah Um, like i I don't have a problem at all with two teenagers falling in love quote that quickly like i've I've been in situations where i was like i'm at camp for a week with this girl and i love her more than anything in the world you know like (laughs) like i've been i've been in that like intense teenage situation and so like i yeah i buy it i buy the fact that they could quote fall in love really quickly like that i i don't my only problem with him is the uh or at least with that is that it is stupid however he is stupid and it makes sense right so it didn't like like well whatever not like watching love is blind where 20 minutes in they're like let's get married Anyway, that's a great show. You should check it out. Um, Finally, Ty Sheridan, who I think to me lacks a lot of charisma. And he is the lead in the film. And he's probably one of my biggest problems because he has so much screen time. And he is kind of a down to earth, regular sort of dude. Yeah. um, Which I think is what the character is. But in a movie, I need a little more oomph. I need something. I, like we talked about pretty much every other character. They have something about them that oozes that charisma. And this guy just doesn't. He's vanilla ice cream to me. And I think that hurts the film. He's He, like her, is definitely more interesting when they're in the thing, you know, in the Oasis. I, I think in general, like his character goes through an arc, but it's not exactly expressed all that well. It's essentially, I'm going to adopt the values of this girl. I like, right? Because when he's first like trying to go after the egg, it's all about like, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to have these sweet guns. I'm going to buy this hap suit, haptic suit, you know, like I'm going to like buy a house. (laughs) It's going to be awesome. And so great. And that's what his motivation is. And then like towards the end of the movie, he shifts, you know, and he's all about like keeping the evil corporation out of, you know, out of the oasis and, and making it more democratic and free for everyone and so on. Um, But they don't really show that shift happening, right? Like, it's just he just goes from I want to be rich to I want to free the oasis, you know, and and so it feels a little disjointed and off kilter in that way. I don't know. Did you see any moment where you could like point to it and say like that's that's when he changes? Because I the only think I can think of is when she rejects him. He's like, all right, fine. I'm on board with your rebellion then. Right. What's your phone number, girl? Right. (laughs) Like, that's the closest thing I could put up. Like, he just, yeah. And and like I said, there is no charisma to this guy. There wasn't in um, all the films we mentioned before. 
his cyclopsing is not that great. Like I just kind of wanted a little more, right? And you can be awkward and teenagery, a la Michael Sarah, and and still kind of have something to give us from your acting. I just really kind of wish that we got that here, um, because he's just kind of bland. Yeah, I can I can see that. Like I I didn't I didn't feel that negatively towards him, but he is definitely like portrayed as like a schlub in the real world, right? Like yeah. like this is a poor kid who lives in this thing. He's not super attractive. Like the only thing that he really has going for him is that he's a super fan and he's memorized all these facts, right? <laughs> like yeah. he's not great at combat. He's not great at you know, he's he's like always running out of money in the oasis. Um, and, and his big thing is that he's just a fan of all these things. Um, so yeah, as far as the performance goes, eh, you know, like, eh, yeah. he's, he's kind of a cipher anyhow, right? Like he's supposed to represent all the video game and movie fans in the world. So like the fact I that guess he's we a bit, all are kind of this bland, aren't we? Yeah. The fact that he's a little like slatey, I don't know. It's okay with me. Like, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the they did keep a, some things from the book, um, primarily the the final challenge of them doing adventure, yes. um, and finding the the Easter egg in adventure. It was, it was right out of the book. Now I I kind of question the people who are there, like all the gunters, which is their term for people who know the eighties. Um, watching him, the the one sixer. That's the name they have for the IOI guys, the bad people. Play adventure, like the whole thing is. Every time they start a game, after what five minutes or whatever, the ice under them breaks, and that's it. And so they're like, okay, it's not that game, and they move on. Well, adventure, they're playing it, and after the five minute mark, they haven't lost yet. Like, oh, okay, we found the right game. And the guy beats the game, falls through the ice, and like, well, I guess that's it. But even there's the the one redheaded sixer. She's like, not sixer, but Gunter's like, yeah, it's got that Easter egg in it. When she's talking about the game initially, and they don't even try to go for it. Right, right, right. It's so stupid. They uh, did. They did not make the connection. Yeah. Well, I think there was that scene where she's trying to like talk to people and they're kind of disregarding her a little bit. Yeah. Um, I did like the way that they kind of portrayed those guys as just fans as well. That happened. They're just making money. They're just they making have- money. Yeah. They're just, they yeah. just got, they got a job, you know? <laughs> and, and so they're, but they're totally, you know, by the time he wins, they're totally on board with his win. You right. know, like they're, they, they're just trying to solve the puzzle. They just happen to be getting paid for it. You know, well, and I don't even I think even to a degree that they know they're working for the bad guys. Right. Yeah. Um, You know, but this world is a a dystopia. And so them actually having a place to go and wear nice clothes and have a job is putting them above the bulk of the rest of society at this point. You know, right. Right. We all know how miserable Columbus, Ohio is. Yeah, Uh, I don't. So so <laughs> you do. I I am in Columbus, Ohio. And it's funny because there is so little of Columbus, Ohio in this movie and they just keep talking about the fact that it's Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> and there's like there's one shot when they're up on the roof 
where you can kind of see a bit of the Columbus skyline, like in the background yeah. and it's, it's real ish, you know, the IOI buildings like plopped in the middle of it. Um, and there were, and, and in the opening, when they're first showing the stacks, I was kind of looking at the skyline in the background, like, is that, is, is it that, nah, you know, I don't know. It's like hard to tell cause you don't know what angle they're coming at it from and so on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm always amused by the fact that it takes place in Columbus cause there's really like zero reason for it. Like there's no reason for it to be not in Chicago or, I you think know, maybe, Philadelphia maybe the- or just wherever, you know? maybe the author's from there and you write what you know so it can feel authentic and that's why it got placed there well you know, in, I'm not in the book there are more references there are more correct references to columbus that he like names like street namers and stuff like that it's yeah like, oh yeah okay uh but yeah in the movie it's just like all right whatever dude it's we're fine. in columbus we're in columbus <laughs> <laughs> other than it gets a little cheer at the movie theater it's <laughs> columbus ohio yay! yay yay i'm from there <laughs> That was like uh, Mark on my other podcast. Uh, he was watching Parenthood, and there's a scene in Parenthood that's filmed at the University of Florida near where I live. And I was like, "Be sure to look out for the tower. You'll see it. Yay! That's where we live." So, yeah, <laughs> fun. So, talking uh, about the dystopian aspects of this movie, it's really miserable. Like. This is a this is a sad movie, you know, like the setting of this movie is sad. And for such an action packed, bright and cheerful movie, it's like really a bummer. Like essentially the whole concept of the movie is that reality is so miserable and so awful that people have given up trying to save it. They're just letting the world slide down the shitter into oblivion and instead they're all just occupying themselves with amusements right like they're just like the whole of civilization has given up there's no earth day there's no like we're, we're recording this on earth day there's okay. no there's no earth day there's no uh you know environmental protection agency there's none of that everybody's just hanging out in this fake world all the time right like they they've just abandoned and but the whole point of the movie is let's save the fake world because it's so important to us because the real world is so shitty right like they're not trying to save the real world they're not out there like stopping the oil barons from dumping in the rivers no they're saving the fake world from too much advertising. <laughs> that's that's the, that's the stakes, right? We don't want a bunch of banner ads in our face while we're in Minecraft world, you know. Like, and and it's so funny that like it's life or death stakes in this movie for these people, and that's what it's all about. You know, they're like the, the, to hell with reality. Like we're we're in this thing, and this is what it's all about. You know, it's like it's 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 funny. Um, no, I I never made that connection. That they're just trying to save the fake world. Uh, it is one of those things where I feel like in the book, I was more on board with how evil IOI was and the things they wanted to do, and how how important it was for them to be stopped. Uh, but at the end of the day, it is just a game, right? You know, and if they, if they took over, whoop de do. But I live in the real world. But I just, um, 
I did feel like it in the book. It felt like the stakes were higher. Like I bought it a little more. Um, the need to win, and I yeah. think it's because of the evil things that Sorrento does. Well, Sorrento um, does evil things, and it's funny because like Parzival's Wade's only real relative left in the world gets killed like a third of the way through the movie halfway through the movie and he doesn't ever even mention it again like he, he doesn't has, in the book really either yeah like, he has a moment, like like the real world matters so little to this kid that when his like actual aunt gets murdered he's just like well now i gotta find someplace else to put my headset on you know <laughs> like, like that's it that's the repercussion um because his life actually kind of in the book it's better for him because he finds the key and then he gets act like so in this world the real world currency is probably worthless but the in-game currency you can exchange for real life goods and services so in the book he gets an apartment and he gets a really sweet rig to hook up to the oasis and uh his life actually kind of gets a little bit better after the explosion um There, so there's a sequence in the book that I really like, but a friend of mine, I, I asked him to read the book and he, he read the book and really enjoyed it, but he didn't like this part where Wade purposefully goes into debt and gets himself captured by IOI to work in their loyalty centers, which is essentially a way to pay off your debt through work, but through various mathematical means, you're never actually going to get out of debt doing it. You're, you're essentially an indentured servant for life. And he goes in and he works tech support. And I I liked, of course, I worked in tech support, you know, so I kind of related to him in, you know, talking to people who didn't know how to use a computer all day. And he used it as a way to get into the system and crack some codes and set up for the finale where he was eventually going to win. And I just, I really liked that sequence because it showed him being really smart and not just, hey, I've memorized the Holy Grail but actually smart and adept and thinking three or four steps ahead. And they didn't do that in this movie. Instead, it's Artemis who gets captured, like you said, when she closes that gate and just waits to get arrested. She goes into the loyalty center and she's able to use that to kind of help in the final battle and all. But I really, I understand why they changed it because that sequence is actually kind of long in the book. And to tell that tale properly would require more screen time than they wanted to give up. But it is a scene I kind of was like, ah, I get it. But yeah, yeah, I I remember that part of the book. I'm guessing they also did it to give Artemis a little more to do. Right. Like she she is a hero in the movie. Um, And in that sequence like she endangers herself she goes in there she shuts down the orb she's in the oasis fighting the battle like but in the real world she's among the enemy like strapped in among the enemy. i really like that sequence i think that was a great idea to have her being in like jumping from sixer rig to sixer rig so she could be one of the bad guys on the ground but actually be a good person that infiltrated them. I thought that was really smart. Um, and kind of one of the fun parts. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, the whole sequence is pretty slick when she's kind of sneaking around and going around and she used that little, that little, 
pod thing to say yeah. the spell to the orb and everything. Yeah, I thought I thought it was pretty good. So she saves the day, right? They would have never gotten through the force field without her. She's Luke Skywalker taking down the force field around the Death Star. You know, like she uh, she's the hero. He just solves a puzzle. She's out there risking life and limb. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's he's in a van <laughs> solving a puzzle <laughs> with a, with an Atari joystick, right? So, yeah, it's uh, cool. Like, um, I do think that the the bit with the the van kind of getting sideswiped and stuff towards the end. We're just trying prob- to get the key in. Yeah, yeah. maybe a little unnecessary, right? Like, we've already had the in-game climax, you know, and that just adds, it's just there to add some extra tension to the scene, I think. Um, as is the the lady, like, assassin character. I don't yeah, know if she... she was out of nowhere. I, yeah. So I, I don't recall her from my readings of the book. I don't think she's in the book, and I don't yeah. know if she really needs to be in the movie either. Like, I, Yeah, the, I agree. She yeah, doesn't she, do enough to diff, to really justify any character development or anything like it's weird i don't know yeah so yeah i think that they could have gotten rid of her but uh i don't know overall like i mean i do have these small little critiques about it but i i really enjoy the film i think it's good man and i think like some of the themes in it are really interesting you know like you can just take it as a surface level you know fun video game you know but I mean, looking at it deeper, it's like, man, this is kind of a miserable movie, you know? <laughs> like, it's it's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think about the way it uses the idea of catfishing as a as a plot point? Um, in the book, it's like my favorite part. Like when he meets H in the real world, it's one of my favorite parts of the book. Yeah. Um, and she explains, hey, you know, uh, in the book, she's heavy set. Um, you know black woman lesbian and she's like and you get treated different and so when i went into now in the movie she's kind of this like orc looking character so there's really no representation of race but in if i remember correctly in the book she's a straight white guy right and once all the benefits that go with with being a straight white guy and then when they finally meet you know i it's this great reveal and it i remember it being really well written in the book and really liking it so I think that you have to do catfishing, right? Yeah. Because that's going to happen. Nobody is going to represent themselves as like in the book. Um, Parzival says that his avatar is just kind of a little tweaked version of himself. It largely looks like him. You know, I'm not trying to fake anyone out or what. Yeah, right. Okay. He would look like Arnold. So I, but I think you kind of have to do catfishing. And I think that the reason that H does it makes a lot more sense. It's more honorable. But when we meet this H, Lena Waithe has a air of confidence about her that I think is counter to the character that I read. Okay. Because in the book, she is very insecure. Um and that is why she lead away. seems like the type of person that would be like, no, I am who I am. I'm going to be myself deal with it. Right. And in the book, it's like, I, you know, my parents didn't really accept me as I was. And uh, so when I, when they were casting, I really thought that they probably should have got 
Precious. I don't know the actress's name, but she played Precious in the film Precious. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. No, I know I who she's talking like about. Yeah, that was more apt. Like she could have that softer side that to say, you know, a little more insecure about things. But in this movie, in the real world, H is actually kind of a badass. You know, (laughs) and in the book, I didn't feel that as much. No, I get that. Have you have you ever engaged with MMO games? Like, were you a Warcraft guy? Very little. Like, I never could get locked in. Gotcha. So, like, when you're playing video games, any any sort of video game that has a character creator, are you the sort of person that makes your character that try to make it look like yourself or an idealized version of yourself, or you to go for something completely different? It depends on the game, right? So I remember like when the the Guitar Hero and the Rock Band games came out where you could create your character. I always tried to go a little realistic, maybe a little thinner than I am in real life, but generally speaking, same hair color, eyebrows, all that stuff. And if I'm playing a sports game and I'm creating my own character, I generally try to make it look like a nicer version of myself. Um, If I'm playing something fantasy-wise, I usually either play a female character or I go batshit. Right. Like I've got a damn ox on my head and I'm right. got sneakers <laughs> in the forest. And like, usually that's kind of the realm I live in. Cool. I, 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 I never make it look like myself. Never. Yeah. Um, my default is to try to use the character designer to create my wife. And I run around. I mean, my wife has been through Fallout. She's been through. Saints Row three or four yeah, or whatever Saints, Saints Row, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's typically what I do. So when people see me represented online, <laughs> it is absolutely not at all who I am, which is uh, which is interesting. I did play Warcraft. Uh, I went through a period of probably six months where I was really into it, and then finally I went on vacation and realized, like, holy shit, I'm spending way too much time on that. I need to stop, and so I stopped. And I've done. Uh, dc universe online i had a similar experience i was really into it for like six months and i was like oh no too much too much like it get they get their hooks in me pretty good yeah. but i i somehow gather the wherewithal to like stop you know i just cold turkey it but i have been in those games enough to like have established relationships with people who i don't know in the real world right right like like i've joined clans and uh uh, you know, gone questing with people, you know, like set up times to meet online so we could go and do stuff and so on. And um, it's interesting. It's interesting how uh, you do form those relationships with people that you've never met. You don't really know much about. Right. Um, like and, I've and, done with podcasting. <laughs> well, yeah. I've... I mean, like, let's, <laughs> let's be real. You and I have never met in real right. life. Right. Like we and, and outside of the context of this podcast and discussing when we're going to record and what movie yeah. we're watching. We don't and, ever oh, grab a beer together. Yeah, it's not like we like super socialize, you know. Um, so we chat a bit before, we chat a bit after, but that's yep. it. Like our relationship is primarily online. On where you can and, listen to the whole thing, and it's this, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, you know, like I have other relationships that are similar. You know, like the gaming nexus site. There are guys on there that I have never met. And, and like some of them, I don't even know what their voices sound like because we've never talked. Right. And, and I would say some of those friendships that I have with them are very close, you know, like very close friendships that have been going on for years and we've never seen each other in the real world. Right. Um, so I think that's an interesting aspect of this movie, how it kind of 
portrays that and how people are able to make human connections, um, you know, long lasting human connections uh, through the filter of technology um, and how they might represent themselves as maybe different from how they are on the day to day uh, and and then get kind of trapped in this situation where they feel like they have to stay that, you know, like it becomes yeah. almost uncomfortable to reveal your reality when somebody perceives you a certain way that is maybe in your mind better than you really are, you know. Um, That's why I opt for worse, right? Like I was, when you see me, I weigh about 800 pounds. I don't, you know, but I'm tubby, you know, so that way you're not disappointed. <laughs> like, I've never actually set up a dating profile online, but if I did, it would be the most normal, if not deprecating one I could do. Because if I ever had, like, set up one, I wouldn't want them to be like, oh, God, no. Like, I'd want you to go in with pretty low expectations. <laughs> right. I'm so terrified of online dating. Like, I, I I, don't know. My wife and I have been together for almost 20 years. And uh, I I wouldn't know the first thing about how to represent myself on those yeah. things. Like, I, My I wife know. is my first girlfriend. Like, right? That's, I nailed it first time. So, like, I've never had to set up a dating profile. I, I just thought it would be like, if I ever did... It would be it would be full on. Here's my gut. Here's this is like you're getting all of it <laughs> here's because <my> gut. <laughs> you need to know already what you're getting into, right? <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> um, so in case you hadn't noticed, we've transitioned into the questions now. Uh, do you think uh, the oasis is possible? Yes, I I think that I I think within a reasonable margin we I, I the metaverse is a thing right i mean i think that that's gonna happen kind of do yeah. i think it will take over in the same way no not unless they find a way to make vr less encumbering yes um i think that vr is uncomfortable to use for longer than an hour yes. uh like my brother had it he's like dude it's gonna be the future I'm like, cool, and I play for like 30 minutes, and then the appeal wears off. Like, Agreed. And then, but what's going to keep you going? And so I think in a lot of ways that social media kind of already is the oasis, but I just, as far as it taking over our economy and becoming this large where it's the thing, I don't know, right? Like the, yeah. the closest thing I think we have to it is Facebook where it's, oh, you don't have a Facebook like where you're a weirdo if you're not on it, which I'm not. I'm a weirdo and it's fine. I like it. It's Me beautiful. Too. Yep. Happy Get off about of Facebook. It. Yes. And I just kind of like I, I don't I think it's possible there's something that that level of detail and open worldness and you can travel to other planets like if they did like a uh, what's that one no man's sky in vr i think would be really cool but until they find a way where it's just a pair of glasses you slip on as opposed to a giant visor uh and you got to have sensors around your room and all that shit i just because it's like i don't think that people are gonna i don't think it'll stick until we can get to the point where it's comfortable to use yeah, I think some of the some of the tech is already there, right? Like haptic suits exist. They're not as good as they are in the movie, but they exist. Haptic like, suits. Let's talk about this real quick. Wait, 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 Why? wait. 
<laughs> okay, you got a question for it later. Okay, no, I'll stop. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Talk about the haptic suit. Go ahead. No, well, all right. Like, I get a bit of it, right? Like, you want to feel a little... It's like the rumble in your controller when you're playing a first-person shooter. You want that feedback. But you don't want it to kick you in the balls. Right. Why is that, like... <laughs> Maybe, like, I get, like, if you want it where you can have virtual sex, right? Where it's there's for sexy a moment. time. For sure, for sexy time, yes. Right. But why are you got it in there where it can kick you in the nuts? Like, <laughs> it can massage without punching you in the balls. Yeah, yeah. The, the haptics in the movie are a little much. Like, I don't, I don't want to feel it when I get shot all that much either. Like, ben I'll take Mendelsohn a little tap, but I don't want to fly across the room. Exactly. When Ben Mendelsohn goes to the final battle... After he gets kicked in the balls, he removes the cup and hands. Why not just take that off? Right. Right. You know, like I can understand the benefit of having, oh, I'm being shot from behind. I can turn around and, and take care of that. But there's no reason to have a ball cup. No, no, you're not going into sexy time when you're finding fighting at Mount Doom or whatever the yeah. fuck they're doing. I yeah. like his password being boss man 69. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I thought it was appropriate to the character, I should say. Yeah. Now, I was saying that, like, like the VR tech, like, it's, like, haptic suits exist and multi-directional platforms you can walk on, they exist. Like, I, I have a buddy who has this, like, weird contraption in his basement, which looks like a little trampoline, and then he, like, puts on this crotch harness that suspends him from the ceiling, and then oh, he can Lord. walk around in Elder Scrolls, you know, online. Uh, so, like, that stuff is there. I do think that the VR tech obviously needs to get better. Uh, it needs to stop making people nauseous. It needs to not be uncomfortable. It's funny what you said about, you know, you play for 30 minutes or an hour, and then you're done, right? Like, I, I'm a VR guy. I have a Quest 2, and I've got a PSVR and a PSVR 2, and, like, I enjoy it. But, like, trying to communicate to somebody that doesn't use VR, like, people bitch about how short the games are. And it's like, no, no. I want it to be short. Like I don't I don't want to have this big long ongoing experience. Like I want something that I can get through before the pressure marks on my head become unbearable, right. you know? <laughs> like I want to get in, have a good time and get out. Ride my roller coaster, get the fuck out. Like I always compare it to having Disney World in your living room, right? You go in, you ride a ride, you go, "Ooh, that was fun," and then you go back home. And and so yeah, it would definitely need to like my favorite things were the not the gaming elements. Like I find that it's not as accurate as I would like for a game. Like as someone who plays a lot of games, I like my controls to be accurate. But I really like a tour of a city, right? Yes. Like you can uh, go around and and look at the city and turn your head, and it feels like you're there. Or there was one my brother had me play where I look down and I'm on top of a building and, you know, and the things change around you as you look around. I appreciate those sorts of things. Yeah, and I'm experiential with you. They, things. Yeah. Yeah. They don't need to be longer than an hour because I'm going to be like, that's enough. Yeah. Beyond the Titanic. Like, that's a good one. I have one where it's like, see the different things in the universe at scale, right? So you see the earth and then you see the sun next to the earth and then you see the solar system, you know, with the earth all little tiny, you know, and you can say, okay, and here's our sun and here's what like the biggest stars are like and it shows our little tiny sun next to it. Like that sort of thing, things where there's like scale and so on, that's the sort of thing that I like. And when I'm playing VR games, I much prefer strategy games where I'm sitting up above 
my little toys and then I can pick up my toys and move them around. Yeah. I don't like holding a gun and running through and shooting people. Like that's not what I'm in it for. I'm much more like I've got this map and I can send tanks down these tracks and like shoot helicopters over at the other guy over there and watch him get fucked up. Like that's, that's more what I'm into it for. Um, I think a Minecraft VR would be a lot of fun. You know? Yes. Yes, for sure. Before you go to your next question, I have one. Yeah. If you, you meet Artemis in the real world, are you going to be able to get over that grotesque thing on her face? What? Oh God. It made me, that's one of the stupidest things in this movie. Like <laughs> she's like, okay, Olivia cook already an attractive woman. And she has a slight color discoloration, <laughs> a birthmark on her face. And he's like, oh, look at Parzival. He's not shallow at all. He's like, it doesn't bother me. I'm like, what? What if she had like half a face? Let's see what happens then. You know? Like, right. right. <laughs> he's yeah, like, out at that point. You know what I mean? Like, the, thing, <laughs> the thing on her face is like so minimal. And you're, you're right. Like. Even- yeah. What if she had like a Michael Jackson missing nose or like, no, like it's right crazy... out of the book. It's not the movie's fault necessarily, other than that they kept it, but it is in the book and it's pretty much described as, Oh, she's just got this slight little, like he even minimizes it before he meets her. Cause he hacks her computer and gets a picture or whatever. Cause he's a creeper. Um, but yeah, just, yeah. Little, little strawberry mark. I mean, it is, it is, played in a way where like she is self-conscious about it right yeah. like even even though it is in our eyes like a minimal i've lived with it my thing. whole life you don't have to pretend and i'm like what like <laughs> really i don't know i just yeah i mean i yeah uh, I don't know. I don't even know. I don't even know what to say about it. Like everybody has their physical imperfections, right? And everybody has their insecurities about those physical imperfections. And yeah. So I don't want to like minimize uh, what it must be like to have a a thing Fine. on her face. But I will say, he's no hero for being able right. to overlook it. <laughs> like it had her face been in a chipper shredder, and then he's like, you know what? I'm still good. I love you for who's inside. Then it'd be different. Right, right. That's <laughs> funny. It's like okay, I I talk about the show Love Is Blind briefly, and I watch it, but they the cast is always so good looking on that show. Just once, I want someone who's got a heart of gold, and it just looks like shit, and then like, they reveal, and we'll show you that love isn't blind. Like it just, I don't know. <laughs> Big coiners like, sticking yeah, out of their just, necks. Yeah. <sighs> it's annoying (laughs) i don't know why i find it annoying anyway moving on your turn ask a question uh the last last thing in this slide just just occurred to me as we were coming online and i typed it out real quick and this is it this is a prequel to the matrix that's all i got that's what i typed this is a prequel to the matrix and let me explain like what my thought pattern was here, right? Like we have a population already sublimated into living in a virtual world and ignoring the real one, right? right. It's obviously powered by some pretty serious AI and like AI strong enough that there can be a representative uh, manifestation of the guy who invented it that can behave and converse in a realistic way, right? So like what? how big of a leap is it 
for them just to be like, like the machines wouldn't even have to fight, right? Like these people wouldn't even know it was happening to them. They would like the machine would just creep up behind them while they have their VR visors on and just go chunk and stick a fucking electrode into the back of their heads. Game over, man. They're in the matrix now, you know? And probably really happy to be there because the outside world is shit and now we don't have to stop to eat or poop anymore you know like hooray yay yeah. we're in the I matrix i happily yay. live in the matrix it doesn't bother me yeah but uh yeah i guess fine who cares um i i think about because in the sequel of the book ready player two they have these helmets that essentially lock them into that world um, right, I forgot and about so that. Yeah. it kind of is like, again, kind of going right where you're going with this is the se- the prequel to The Matrix, which I could totally see. Um, and like you said, they'd be happy to be there. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, the other thing that kind of strikes me is like, when you have something like the Oasis that is really dependent on user-created content, right? Like in the book, people are off making their own planets and creating their own adventures and so on and so forth. There are going to be some pretty twisted, fucked up areas. Of oh, the Oasis, for sure. Right? Like real oh, messed God. up. Like, look at, look at like what's going on in AI right now. Like some dude immediately goes in and is like, Hey, I want you to take over and destroy humanity. <laughs> you know, and then like they write an article about how it tried to do it. You know, like it tried to reach out to other AIs and figure out how they connect to work together and take over the internet. Like, and and like people immediately go for like the shittiest possible right. way that they can fuck this nice thing up. You know, because um, it's why we can't have nice things. Oh, it'd be uh, the first thing on the Oasis. Oh, like for history sure. has shown us like. The, the earliest adopters of new technology has been the porn industry since like the beginning of like the first people to do like DVDs. Let's get on it. it. It's the porn industry. And so like at the very least, porn sites will be all over the Oasis. Oh, for sure. And yeah. like Auschwitz planet and like just really shitty. Oh, yeah. There'd like, be a 4chan of, of the Oasis yeah, for sure. The Hotel Rwanda planet, you know, like yeah. just like the shittiest, most fucked up, crazy, like beyond horror movie, real world atrocities. You know, let's live through the fun of, you know, whatever horrible nightmares thing humans have done to each other. Like right. I could just, yeah. Uh, the Oasis would have some pretty dark corners i would say or you know huge swaths of places where normal people would not want that's to go. like the internet today the, you know i'm very careful about where i allow my computer to take me because <laughs> i just there's things i don't want to see i just don't want to see and a lot of them aren't even illegal and i don't want to see it oh yeah you know? like yeah early, early internet back in the aol days like there was this fascination with like who can find the grossest shit and put it up online you know like yeah dead people and murder victims and stuff like that and i learned very quickly like once that shit is in your psyche you can't get it back right. out which right? there are things that i have i've avoided uh, I've never seen two girls, one cup, you know, oh. I've never, uh, there are several of those things where yeah. I can't trust anyone to be like, Hey, check out, um, delicious Cause I already know 
deliciousoup.com is going to be someone eating out of the toilet. You know, it's just going to be something you can't unsee. And so I don't. I've never like, heard of deliciousoup.com. I don't know. I, wish, I just made it I up. I wish you hadn't told me because now there's one more thing for me to resist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that it's a real thing. I don't. I just made that up. But I remember lemon the, lemon party back. I've in the heard day. that, that was, one, and that then was, meat spin was one. God, and, stop naming them! No, oh, stop. All right, <laughs> all right. Go ahead. You can name. No, more. I don't know anymore. It's fine. Okay, good. It's probably why. My favorite. My actually the parts of those I did enjoy was watching reaction videos. Yeah. Someone would be like, Grandma, watch this. Watch. <laughs> 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 It's the two girls, one cup planet in the oasis. Oh, <laughs> Lord. <laughs> Come Just on, Just a vomit-covered floor. Okay, we've gone too blue. We're, we're, we're out of control. <laughs> oh, shit. That's fucking great. <laughs> Come on, uh, Spielberg. Make that movie. No, God. Uh, besides next film, it, next film by Steven Spielberg. No, you just... Rob Zombie will do it. Don't worry. Uh, good times. Good times. All right. So, what do we got? Uh, what do we got coming All up right. next? We're in, and we're in the home stretches. Uh, next is the West Side Story, a musical. I believe the only musical from Steven yeah, Spielberg. Um, Mark will be joining us from the movie draft house. We'll have a good time. We'll hopefully, after talking about Ready Player One, I don't think I hate it as much now that we've talked through it. I still don't like it, and there's still a lot of cringe. We didn't even get into Simon Pegg and the whole quarter thing. Oh, yeah. No, where he gets the extra that. life. Yeah. Because in the book, he, he plays Pac-Man. He right? plays a perfect run of Pac-Man and gets this quarter by chance or skill or whatever. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We're done. doesn't matter. No more Ready Player One. I never have to watch it again. Oh, I'm totally going to watch it again. <sighs> I didn't even watch my 3D Blu-ray version. So I think when I show the kids, I'm going to set it up and do it. Uh, really? But, I'm, yeah. Well, it, like... The screen thumps like I got a sound system out there and it just rumbles the house and my wife wasn't feeling well. And so I was like, you know, I'm just going to watch this on the TV with headphones. Okay, that's fair enough. West Side Story next um, was we approach the end of the season. Uh, We'll just kind of say what we're planning. Um, Of course, we'll do West Side Story, then Fablemans on the 21st. On the 28th, we're going to release a bonus episode of us just kind of recapping the season. that will take us into July. Now, I haven't set in stone when season three is going to start yet. I was kind of thinking about like a two-week break maybe um, and, and then come back with uh, season three, which is M. Night Shyamalan. Which I'm super excited for. Now, I, what I, we had talked about how we're going to... I think what I'm going to do is change the name of the podcast to chronologically colon... The director name and I then think that's yeah and then just rotate that out so the podcast is chronologically m night and, Shyamalan, and i think just that's probably that yeah. Out. yeah yeah that's a good idea yeah anyway you um, don't have to uh, worry about it if you're subscribed it's just gonna stay where it is you're good yep yep yeah i'm really looking forward to that i'm looking forward to the next two movies which uh are going to be new experiences for me and uh yeah psyched psyched to move on to the new thing psyched to wrap up spielberg uh, very proud, proud to have almost gotten through a thing and it's completed a, it's a it. It's a nice thing when, like, I go on to uh, Hitchcock billboards or, or, or uh, Reddit's, 
and there was like uh what someone was like i've never seen a bad hitchcock movie i said let me help you out you know <laughs> <laughs> like if someone were like spielberg's never made a bad movie uh 1941 ha- here you go you yeah, know, it's just nice you, to be able to put a stamp on something. And I've say, seen them all. I've, I've done it. Boom. Yeah. And then we should say when whatever the next Spielberg comes out, because it's not a big deal with Hitch because he's dead. We're never going right. to see another Hitch movie unless that one lost movie, The Mountain Eagle, somehow surfaces. Then I'll rewatch it or watch it for the first time. But we'll be back like periodically whenever he drops a new one and just keep going with all the different directors we've developed relationships with. Absolutely. Yeah super fun good project if you want to get in touch with eric you can do so at eric underscore hotter on twitter you can check out his youtube page eric hotter you can go to gamingnexus.com check out all his gaming reviews you can find me on twitter at podcast by jeff check out the movie draft house and um i guess that's it now everything else is done so just go check out the movie draft house wherever you get your podcasts and uh, we'll see you in two weeks for west side story thanks y'all bye